0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program is brought to you by Consider Bardwell Farm in Vermont, a producer of award-winning handmade cheese from goat
2: and cow milk. For more information, visit considerbardwellfarm.com.
3: Welcome to Love Bites, coming at you live from Heritage Radio Network. Today is Monday, March 7th. I'm one of your hosts, Jacqueline Raposo. I write about people who make food. You can find my work and me as wordsfoodart.com. I'm 34 straight and single.
2: And I am your other host, Ben Rosenblatt. I am an actor, writer, musician, occasional bartender and server. You can check me out at benrosenblattactor.com. I am 33 straight and gleefully single.
3: Gleefully single. And today, Benny, your I'm an actor, find me at Ben Rosenblatt actor, has particular significance, does it not?
2: I guess it does It does, because
3: today is the Handsome Actor Show I am joined, we are joined Well
2: thankfully there's two handsome <laughs> actors here to <laughs> uh, fulfill that uh, Oh,
3: you know how handsome I think you are oh. I'm the luckiest girl in the world, I get to spend every week with you Oh, well, you're um, so sweet Yeah, but we're going to shake it up today We've got two other handsome actors in their <laughs> mid-30s in New York City In the studio with us, Joel Rubin Gans and Jonathan Weiner. Hi guys, welcome
1: Hi Hello.
3: Hello. Oh, their voices are so deep. I need to get. Hey,
2: Hey Hey guys. guys, Welcome to the studio. Well, you do that with the
3: (laughs) end. I'm Ben Rosenblatt. You, You can rock that deep voice, Benny. A deep, deep voice. Thanks, baby. Yeah. So today we're going to, Benny and I are not going to have a session talking about our current dating situations, which I am so happy about right now. Um, so instead, we're just going to have. There's
2: so much juice you've got to look forward to next week. So stay tuned for that uh... because there's a lot going on in uh, Jacqueline's dating world. Yeah, I'm a
3: happy gal. Um, but so today, instead of, of us talking about our dating lives, we're going to have like two table ish discussions with our guests. First, at the top of the show, we're going to talk about being an artist and how that affects your confidence and how that affects your. Relationships, both uh, you know, dating and otherwise, and the challenges these guys are all facing. So I'm excited to sort of take a backseat and just talk to them through some of these uh, challenges and triumphs. And then after the break, we're going to come back, and I'm going to ask them about man parts and things like that. <laughs> um, because I was having a conversation with one of our guests a couple weeks ago, and I was learning some things I didn't know that I had not known before. So uh, after the break, uh, if you are of a certain age and, uh, and are not easily shocked to come back and listen to If you're under 18, you've got to shut off the radio. Yeah, yeah I promise. Th- I think this is where we're going to get one of yeah, those like, red explicit or whatever, whatever banners that Heritage has to put on our...
2: We're just going to have like a beep going through. <laughs> every like, time. Yeah.
3: Uh, but first, let me introduce the guys more thoroughly. So I've got miniature bios here for them. Um... <laughs> Joel Ruben gantz has worked in theaters all over the country and at home here in New York City at the New York City Fringe and on Broadway in War Horse at Lincoln Center Theater. He's an associate artist with Faction of Fools, a Commedia Dell'Arte troupe in Washington, D.C. He received his B.A. from Emory University and his graduate degree from the International Theater School of Jacques Lecoq in Paris, France. Joel also teaches movement technique and works as a movement consultant. Hi, Joel. Hi. Welcome on. Thanks. Jonathan Weiner, my boobiest of all boobies, most recently performed at the Orlando Theater in Spamalot, playing Lancelot, the French Taunter, the Knight of Knee, and Tim the Enchanter. Off Broadway, he's been seen in My Big Gay Italian Wedding and My Big Gay Italian Funeral. Internationally, he has performed at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival as well as as a lead soloist aboard two of the Disney Cruise, sh- cruise Line ships. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Johnny. Um, So to kick off our conversation, the reason why I sort of wanted to have this show is I've had similar conversations with you guys about how hard it is to be a full time artist in New York City. You guys have all went to school and got your degrees in theater. You've all been working when many of our friends have stopped being actors. You all three are still plugging at it. And um, we're all at an age where we're trying to like sort of assess what we're doing with life in general. And you've got a lot of challenges that a lot of people don't have, and I don't think they understand. So let's start with that. Like, what is the greatest challenge you're facing right now as an artist in New York City?
1: Well, first of all, I want to thank you for calling me a full-time artist. I appreciate that.
3: Well, you are. I mean, you guys are. Like, yes, we're going to get to how you all work in hospitality as well. Yeah. But your art is your number one priority more than anything else for all three of you. I, I, I really admire it, that.
1: Yeah, I try to make it my my priority. Um, sometimes it's hard uh, living in the city. You know, you got to make ends meet. You got to do what you got to do to pay those bills.
3: So, what's the biggest John challenge for you right now?
1: Um, right now. Um, booking another show just getting back out there auditioning you know once once one show ends you know you gotta you gotta be hungry for that next show um you don't want to get stuck doing what you don't want to do just to pay the bills you know
4: mm-hmm. how about you joel yeah no i mean uh, you talk about uh challenges and i'd say opportunity i mean the i think one of the hardest things for most of us is just getting in the door whether you have an agent or not uh it's an uh, I mean, it's an extraordinarily glutted market. There are tons of people, and just actually getting in the doors for the opportunities you want, uh, you know. I mean, actually, John and I were just talking about this. We're, we're both auditioning, uh, f- you know, for a theater company that we wouldn't necessarily want to work with in the middle of nowhere, but we have to get those weeks for the healthcare and uh, it fulfilling that. Uh, Desire fulfilling the performance desire, but beyond the desire, like to really work on your craft and continue that going is what you'd rather be doing than saying, how would you like that cooked? You know, not to say that there isn't some fulfillment in that, whether it's monetary or otherwise, but you want to be doing what you do. So, um, I think yeah, it's the hardest thing.
3: Well, I think that's an interesting thing to point out too. You mentioned to get your health insurance, so you're all in the actors' union, the Equity <coughs> union. But you need how many weeks of union work in order to qualify for health? They just
4: changed it. It's eleven for eleven weeks of work for six months, and it's nineteen. So I I had eighteen weeks of work last ah, year.
3: So you were one yeah. week shy of having health care for a
4: year. Oh, I I had ten, so that yeah. was you know, just shy. So also. We're both one week, and so now now we work uh, and the projects that we're both up for uh, are former weeks that we had will expire before we get to use them (laughs) so it's i mean that's in its own challenge i think that the biggest thing though is like you know consciously or 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 not uh there's an attachment to self-worth that happens uh, when you're working on stuff and so when you go through long periods of unemployment it can
1: have a really huge effect on on you and then you know sometimes with you know contract negotiations each each theater is different they have more money to offer so your self-worth kind of you know, teeters up and down based on what they're going to offer you, what they say that you're worth. And, you know, sometimes you have to take it because it's a job.
3: Well, how does that affect your confidence and your your own feeling of self-worth? Because I think one thing that um, struck me after sort of the economy collapse was a lot of people who had really identified themselves by their job, then lost their job, and they had a huge crisis of who am I. But actors sort of get that constantly because you can be on top of the world one second mm-hmm. with a show that you love and then be unemployed for several months. So how do you find that uh, affects your self-confidence in general as a human being.
2: I think it affects my self-confidence immensely. And uh, unfortunately, you know, my confidence kind of lives and dies a lot of the time Mm -hmm. by whether or not I'm working or even whether or not I had a, felt good about the audition I had that day Um, and it can change drastically from you know going in for an audition where I feel like oh I've got a shot at booking this and then wow I didn't even get a call back I'm worthless to like going in for something where I was like ah this feels like a long shot and then either getting closer booking or whatever and feeling on top of the world and feeling great Um, and so it can be really difficult sometimes and I think it's important to try and find something outside of the work that can be a better indicator of you know worth and not basing your worth solely on um you know the state of your career but it's very difficult
3: well what are what are some things that you guys have figured out to employ so that you don't get so easily sucked into the highs and the lows
1: um i don't for me it's um you know just uh, always having that connection to friends and family you know there's really um i know i know benny's in a band so that you know that helps um
3: And he's got this radio show in the radio show every week. Um,
1: You know, I just, you know, I try to just, you know, stay grounded and just keep focusing on, you know, my goals and what I want to do and, you know, just the next job.
4: Artistic outlet is definitely definitely important. I think it's it's something that they I mean even begin more and more so to, to tell kids in drama school these days is that you should have other other means of creative output because if you don't and you're constantly dependent on someone else to provide that either that mirror of of, of ego or sense of self worth, you're you're gonna be in a lot of trouble. Um and, and you know, I don't know about, about you guys, but I mean like there are plenty of shows or things I've done where like I, you know I was doing it whether it was for health insurance or for weeks or for Money, like you know, we do do projects that we don't. We don't have entirely our hearts in. We're still doing our
2: craft, but and sometimes it's those projects that can doing those projects can actually make you feel worse than not working at all. I've worked on some projects where you know I have felt so miserable about the work that I'm doing in it because a like I feel either like miscast or like I don't feel like I've. That don't love the director or the concept or the space has been provided for me to do my best work or I'm not making enough money to be doing my to like be able to knock out all of the distractions and be able to really focus enough on the work. And then I'm my, you know, I'm more miserable because I'm then hating on myself for like how badly I feel I'm doing it and how much I hate the process and. Yeah, but well,
4: connected to that, which I, which I, which is always an important thing to kind of think about, is is the, the nature of our work is one of self-examination, of constant self-examination and evaluation. That being the case, you, you know, you we do this to ourselves all the time, and I think more so than most people in your average career, asking yourself, "What do you? What am? Why am I doing this? What am I doing?" I'll throw in that like I had the good fortune to like, do a show once for two years and to only do acting you know for one time in my life which was incredible I was incredibly well compensated and it was a beautiful you know show to be a part of but some of the same drama and some of the same questions and some of the same difficulty arose despite the fact that you know i was you know doing a project like that so uh, that reminded me that that baseline stays the same to a certain degree so how you deal with it and how you manage it uh is almost more important than the job itself, even when you've reached a, 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 quote, pinnacle, you know? I want
3: to jump in on on you just mentioning you were on Broadway for two years when you were making really good money doing a beautiful, beautiful show, because that's when you and I met. And when you and I actually met on OKCupid, okay bringing this back to a dating show and to the point that I want to get to next, mm-hmm. is that I remember when I met you, I met you after your show. I met you at Lincoln Center, which is one of the most romantic places in New York City at night. And I remember just seeing you as being this person who is so grounded and confident, because in a way of your work, you got, you know, that's the dream to be at, in, a, in a show like War Horse at Lincoln Center. So then how does when that no longer and you and I just listeners like we didn't continue dating, but obviously we've kept in touch. Um, how does and I've seen you since then with these ebbs and flows, I've seen Benny, both you and John with these ebbs and flows, how do these and beautiful highs of getting to do art that you love to do followed by these periods of self-examination and unemployment how do they affect you with dating all of us are single right now just coincidentally um all of us have been in serious relationships but how does how does the extremity of feeling so good about yourself and what you do and then these big questions how does that affect your confidence when you are meeting people dating somebody seriously going through a breakup
1: yeah you want want to take that one
4: (laughs) (laughs) all right (coughs) well i mean i think um You touched on something earlier, which I think is really important in, in, uh, you know, after 2008 and a lot of things that that happened financially, there's a degree to which actors are more used to handling these highs and lows than a lot of other people in more consistent track jobs. And so I almost sometimes feel like my lack of, you know, not being in a nine to five and having the freedom that I've always been used to, like, I'm just used to navigating the universe as as it's becoming more and more for a lot of people. So I feel a certain amount of that is strong uh, in terms of how I face things. I don't immediately go into a depression or a load just because I'm not doing a show, necessarily. Um, but... I think that sometimes if you're not engage, actively engaged in something that you care about and that you're engaged in, you can feel like less. And that can def- definitely, if I tell you, interact with people. Your confidence level when, let's say, you go into a date. Uh, we get more into dating sites. I wonder sometimes how many times how many women are swiping left because they see that I'm an actor. And I said that with parentheses. Swiping left is the good one? No, that no that's, no, that's right a bad one. A one. Oh, okay. Swiping right is good. I should know this. That's the, <laughs> the point about the parentheses uh, is there yeah. are tons of people in the city that are actors. I'm yeah. sitting in a room I, right now with people
1: who really are actors right. who have trained right. to, and it's their craft well and also for me i mean uh you, you you hit the nail right on the head right there um when i meet somebody either online or, or at a bar in, in person and they ask me what i do and i say an actor usually the first thing that they say is what restaurant do you work at ouch and that's when i get up and walk away
2: Ouch! that's the first thing that, like honestly that's yeah. the first thing they say
1: oh, sometimes yeah. Well, yeah, the second but, the second thing they say is "Well, i have seen you in anything right right um, but, you know, like it, there's such a connotation to to being an actor in New York. There's so many actors in New York, you know, working or not working. It doesn't matter. There's just so many actors. They've heard it before and they just feel like, oh, you just, you know, you're kind of a bum. You well, know, there's also a lot of negative experience.
3: assumptions of actors, too, that you're going to be emotionally unstable. Right. Along with being like the financially unstable is its own thing because that's just sort of part part and parcel to the career. But, um, you know, there's that, too. It's like, is this going to be a stable, normal human being? But I
2: think for me, the financial instability part is the part that has the most effect. How so? Um, because it can be really difficult when finances aren't where you would like them to be, which they rarely are, um, to like feel confident inviting someone into that situation. Um, yeah but what you 're talking about I think goes beyond
4: <clears throat> let 's say just say the apartment you have or what you 're able to provide on a date. I think that the the root underneath that, which is more important is is your what sense to what degree you feel grounded
2: absolutely because
4: that 's really what and th- that grounding can be financial it can be emotional but the point is is if you're if you 're unemployed like we are when we do artistic jobs every six weeks to two months how what level to which you feel grounded is huge. And it's really harder to envision a future and building something when, as artists, you don't
1: have a clear path, you know?
3: Speaking of that, I mean, do you guys... We're all in our, you know, mid thirties to a degree. How uh, dare you? To you? Uh, I'm, I'm 21. You. <laughs> <Ew. laughs> <In> your <laughs> <mind>. <laughs> Going out for the dad roles. Um, so you're all in your your mid thirties, and especially, you know, we've we've all got friends getting married, having children, moving out of the city. A lot of the people that we all know have stopped Dumbhouses. has stopped being <laughs> primarily artists. Uh, how do like? Have you thought about? You know, if you think about marriage and children and stability, have you thought about stopping acting and shifting careers? Or or, or if not, how do you look to a future of, you know, growth in your personal life?
2: I've considered, I think I think about leaving acting all the time. I think we all do. At um, times. It's, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's an, just part of being an actor, I think, yeah. is like part of being an artist, I think, is having doubts about, your art and about your future and all of that uh so yeah i think about stopping all the time and yet like in reality i think i'm very probably very far from stopping But Um, but and how much in a
3: future with somebody else is you
2: know it's difficult um i i it depends on who the someone else is and what they want for their future um and so i'm right now i'm trying to meet people trying to you know, find someone with whom I think I'm a good match. And then like, depending on what their plans and what their goals are, then I can kind of decide what I might want for myself. See, this is interesting to, to hear you say this, because, you know,
4: it's, it's it's really healthy and really good to hear some of the same kind of psychological boundaries that we set up, or conditions that we set upon these relationships. I mean, look, stepping into any relationship is stepping into an unknown. You know, whether you have the confidence or not, it, it, it shouldn't matter all that m- much. If you feel strongly for someone. Someone, you can set it on a path that's indeterminate. What's difficult and frustrating is, you know, and I, I don't know about you, but I've definitely have dated a lawyer, I've dated a social worker. I, you know, try to avoid dating actresses because <laughs>
1: I mean, like, isn't that funny that we all say that we're we all, all actors, say but that. we all say I don't uh, want to date actors. I, I don't, don't date
3: I, actors generally. I yeah, don't uh, avoid
1: dating actors. I just, don't avoid dating anybody, but. 'cause we're If insane. I were to pick, <laughs> yeah. I would probably not want to date another actor. Right. But, you know,
4: I was I was dating uh, a lawyer quite seriously when I got Warhorse and And, uh, you know, it involved me moving a city and changing my life. And she was all excited. And we had a couple of talks where I was like, you know, you do realize that I'll never be available to go out to dinner with your friends on Friday night, yeah. right? You do realize that we're never going anywhere for the weekend. I get one week off per yeah. year. And that's – and if you – you need to get on board with that. And it was it, – she didn't handle when I was in a show for for three weeks well and I I really the relationship ended up falling apart
2: and part of it was because of that what was she excited about she liked the idea that you were going to be on Broadway
4: I think that she was excited about the idea that that she was dating an actor who was s- successful. Right, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, she was excited about me, period. I need to give her a lot of credit. Like, she and I, we had a great connection, and she was excited about me. It was an added bonus that, you know, well, it's a bonus that she was like, my, you know, my boyfriend's an actor he's going to be in this show and people didn't realize but i mean even most people knew that show was going to be a really big deal right. so that was a big deal but that didn't really feed into necessarily to my ego i was more concerned about how is this going to work if every time she gets off of work i'm going to work
1: right that's another thing that i was trying to bring up um the scheduling when you date somebody that's not an actor i mean they get out of work at 5 you're just going into work at 5 or 6 you know, you get out at eleven. You know, you're going to be bouncing around with your energy. You're not going to re- be ready to go to bed. They're already in bed. You know, it, that that's another thing that's hard. And then on your weekends, you have two yeah. shows. And your your our weekends are Sunday night and right. Tuesday morning. Well, so,
3: speaking of that, I want to ask you guys one more question before we go into our break because Ben and I often have the same conversation with chefs who say, "I you know I." My wife is in bed when I leave for the morning and she's in bed when I get home at night. And all three of you, on top of working as actors and that's your first priority, also work in hospitality, be it bartending or waitering. So um what so you can take this you can each take this either way you want, but what is either I can always tell, like, like Joel, I went to your bar a couple of weeks ago, and just watching you interact with people, I was like, this guy, he's charismatic, he's smart, he's funny. He It doesn't come off as being fake, it's genuine. It was a lot more interactive and fun to watch you interacting with people, and I think that's largely in part to having amazing people skills being an actor. John, you bartend. Ben, you've bartended and waited before. Like, uh, So what is either the greatest contribution to... Your work as an actor by having a job in hospitality or vice versa in what way do you think that working as an actor makes you a better waiter bartender
1: well i think the two jobs first of all are very different being a waiter and being a bartender because people sit at a bar they want to chat they want a personality oftentimes at a table they want you to take the order so that's the first biggest difference um but for me working in a bar yeah it's just all about personality it's all about people that want to talk that want to know about you that want to know about your drinks or whatever and it it's it, it kind of makes it easier that we do what we do that we're all actors that we're personable that we can chat with anybody mm-hmm. yeah you study people anything. your job is yeah. studying yeah. people yeah Waiting, however, is a different story.
4: (laughs) Facility with language, awareness of space, sense of timing, attention to detail, listening. Those are all skills that translate in both directions. Um, You know... uh, i don't know i don't know about you guys sometimes i'll i'll you know characters that come into new york city bars and i'll look at some of my customers and go okay i'm gonna steal that lock that away I'm lock yeah, that or away. an like, accent that's good or an accent yeah where those you're are like, always the holy best holy shit this well, i saw
3: perfect. you do a scottish accent to the people at the bar that night and it blew their minds it was yeah. hysterical how like how excited they were by you doing a scottish accent or whatever it was. that it was stuff really is easy
4: that's i mean that, and that's entertainment right you know? like and part of it's to entertain myself to get through the freaking shift as opposed to you know just entertaining them
2: (laughs) lately lately i've been serving more than i've been bartending and i would say that the only trans like the only effect that i can see in either direction is a negative one Uh. on my acting which is that i'm running around stressed out my shoulders up to my ears i'm tense and i'm pissed off and i am like totally disconnected from like you know, myself and from thinking about all of the things and all my body in the way that I need to be thinking about my body as an actor is just like totally out the window and I'm stressed and I'm running and I'm pissed and it's like, then I leave there and I need to like run to an audition and I'm just like totally not in the place that I need to be when I'm trying to be, have a soft body and be sensitive and in touch with my emotions and my breath and, my voice. Mm. Um, so I would say that is kind of the thing that rings true for me the most right now as far as the relationship between my you know, server job and my acting job. But I think we should take a quick break right now because I know you want to desperately yeah, yeah. talk to us about uh, the sexy time. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're going to take a short break. Before we do that, we want to invite you to check out uh, heritageradionetwork.org and uh, click on the beating heart to donate some money because we need your money we love your money and uh
3: profit radio yeah you, we so, do this for the love
2: if you love our show um, which you do which you know you do which you know you do um <laughs> if you love these two please <laughs> click which on. We all do them. if Thank you want you, us to
3: eventually find lasting love
2: help uh, us yes if you could find it in your heart click on the beating heart and uh mention love bites in your message and uh donate to heritage radio we'll be back
1: Today's program has been brought to you by Consider Bardwell Farm.
3: Spanning the rolling hills of Vermont's Champlain Valley and easternmost Washington County, New York, 300 acre Consider Bardwell Farm was the first cheese making co op in Vermont founded in 1864 by Consider Stebbins Bardwell himself. Rotational grazing on pesticide free and fertilizer free pastures produces the sweetest milk and the tastiest cheese. All of their cheeses are aged on the farm in their extensive system of caves.
1: Consider Bardwell Farm is also a big supporter of Heritage Foods USA's No Goat Left Behind program. No Goat Left Behind is a serious effort launched in 2011 by Heritage Foods USA, designed to introduce goat meat to American diners and provide a sustainable end market for dairy animals.
3: For more information, please visit www.considerbardwellfarm.com. So for the rest of the show, we are going to talk about... uh, what does Borat say? Like, happy sexy Brown sex, sick something. And brown
4: cow. There you go. That works.
3: Um, so this came about because Joel and I, in the same night where we were drinking at his bar and then went out, uh, he was telling me about a, a night he was having with a lady and something that happened. And I was like, really? I didn't know that that's what that's like for men. And I started taking notes. Um so i'm just gonna open this up gentlemen what so we were talking specifically i think about morning wood and about like how you really can't control it completely and how it's not like you wake up like wanting to have sex you just wake up and that's what your body does and then you can easily be turned off like it just sort of anyway so and the penises do their own thing and that like women can fake it because we don't have like body parts that move and so let's just start off what is the hardest thing about having a penis that women might not know
4: <laughs> she said hard
3: <laughs> i did say hard what's the hardest nice, thing about nice having amazing
1: um guys john anybody <laughs> <The> <laughs> you hardest, guys just
3: all got you're all thing? blushing now
1: um I, I, it's the hardest that thing? women might um, not know
3: like what what do you like if you're in an intimate relationship with someone whether it's the first or the 50th time basic
1: maintenance uh, manscaping no no no, 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 no. no. Oh, that's women that's shrunk the you in that
3: No. (laughs) (laughs) What's the hardest?
1: I I, I don't find it hard having one. I mean... (laughs)
2: Well that's disappointing. I mean, yeah. uh, waka waka. <laughs> um,
3: well, something I mean, that I mean, women few, might not know there's about. There's a few them. things
2: that's hard about, about it. Um one is that it like it's there and it's outside your body and it touches things and things touch it and it, like it feels things and like it you know you get aroused a lot, you know, and so like that's part of it, you know, is that like totally. sometimes it's just out there and you know and, I'm and, and you can yeah. tell that I'm aroused that's and you right, know and it's enough. like all right you know, I, I don't know what to do with this so right can now. You, how
3: much control do you have when that happens in a random circumstance?
2: I mean, it, you know, I'll be honest. It doesn't happen as much as it did when I was 15 years old. <laughs> you know, um. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Oh, you're not getting that Yeah, but thing. sometimes on, when oh, somebody,
1: yeah. you know, cuddles up next to you or, you know, nestles nestles into your neck, you know, you no, don't, don't have a control over it. but that's usually intentional. You know, but intentional. Like, well, you're trying to but make if things you're, But if you're having you're a first date or a second date on a couch just watching a movie... You know, it's blatantly obvious that you're excited, and you're kind of, you know, it's kind of embarrassing, and whether when it's you know, first well, or
4: second date. If we dive, if we dive right into kind of going off of the conversation we were having, dive into. Let's it, say Joel. we 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 ha 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 ha. ha, ha. Uh, <laughs> no, I just edited myself three times. Uh, if we talk about like, when you're already in that step of like having sex and whatever else, uh, or not having sex, depending on the case, what's interesting uh, that I, in, in the conversation we were having is about intentionality and about like, how much you actually control that thing between your legs. Um, the example we talked about was morning wood you know like i don't know i personally wake up with a raging heart on that i might have had for like an hour and a half that doesn't mean that it's going to stay that way if you have it for f- four hours call them
1: a, a <laughs> professional <laughs>
4: call, <yeah>. <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> then
3: you've taken one too many of those little. exactly and,
4: and meanwhile you're going well i feel like that may have been hard for hours why, why can't i just do that whenever i tell it to <laughs> because you don't you don't right. i mean like i don't know about you guys but you don't control all the time and and in the morning in particular but what's scary or interesting about the conversation is then rolling into if you've got it and then it goes, you know, it goes down and say you're in the midst of it and you're, 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 you're messing around, uh, uh, what the psychological effects it has on someone. I don't know. Have you ever had a woman say when, let's say, let's say you had an erection and that, that thing went down and it wasn't about your desire or lack of desire for the person and you've had your partner say, you must not be that into
0: me.
3: Well, I really want to get into the deeper level of that too, because when we started this show and he gave me full permission to talk about this, the filmmaker who, we talked about in our first episode he had gone through a huge period of mourning he had lost both of his parents within a short period of time he was going through a divorce and it took several weeks before he could even get hard and it was a great and luckily we were able to have a great conversation about it about you know what mourning does physically and we were able to have a wonderful physical connection and eventually through both communication and still being physical together we worked past that but there is a there was something in the back of my mind of this person is not attractive to me. And that's happened since then with another guy, again, going through a really hard period. And I'm not a hard not, period, not a hard period. Not a- but like emotionally. So how does in, in the long term of like mourning or grief or not, again, going back to our conversation about confidence, I mean, how has that been at play for
2: you? I would say that it takes less than like mourning the death of someone in your life for, like, something to happen like that. I mean... Too much whiskey. Right, exactly, or like, your, your bills in the back of your mind. Exactly. Like, anything, anything that happens in your you. mind yeah. Margaret that, a, like, comes <laughs> into... Make <laughs> it on, on, on a cold day.
3: Make <laughs> <laughs> it on a cold day.
1: But you know what? I think those are just the mysteries of the opposite sex. I mean, I think guys wonder about... But whether or not a woman orgasms. Does that mean she's not into me? You know, like These are just things that well, since you don't have those I'm parts... Well, the reason I'm curious
3: is because women can fake it. And so the idea of like how does it affect you when you can't fake it...
1: Yeah, but you asked a
4: question earlier oh, when we were just we were preparing for this, and you were talking about women can fake it, so therefore their level of connection can be less. I no, totally no, 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 no. disagree. No, no,
3: no. That's not what I was saying. Oh, okay. That's not what I was saying. It's just that we sort of have a get-out-of-jail-free card You can that, spare his
1: feelings. You do. Right. That Like,
3: I don't have a physically moving part that is going to give any message that I'm trying not to give. Right, you know, right, right, like right, that, right. That was the point of that.
2: Okay. Yeah, I mean, the point about being able to fake it, like, we can't fake it, right? And so to say that, yeah, there's your feelings, very rarely would I say it's because, like, I'm not into you physically. Like, if if I'm there with you and we're, like, engaged in a physical connection, most likely... I'm wanting to go for it. So how, that, how
3: has that conversation gone with women when you've been in that situation?
2: I guess it depends on the situation. It really, it really does.
4: It really does. I mean, like, if, you, if you're in a situation where, and this sometimes, you know, I don't know if it's happened to you guys, but for me, reciprocation is the absolute key. If I don't feel that my the, the partner that I'm with is engaged, and there can be a myriad of reasons about that. Like a ton of reasons. It could be about, uh, you know, the person It being a new relationship so that the person, the woman doesn't necessarily feel super comfortable, uh, whatever those reasons may be. The point is, if it's I don't feel like it's an equal kind of sharing of engagement, then I'll have a conversation around that if I need to.
3: Ben, I want, I want to jump in quickly for John because John, we, it hasn't been applicable yet, but John is gay. So you deal with other men who also have this same problem. So how does this come up for men in a similar type of scenario?
1: Oh, uh, that's tough. I, it, I, it hasn't really been a problem. Um, uh... I, I'm not really quite sure. So you don't answers. have that. So
3: you haven't had that physically had that problem, uh, but have you have, have not, you been on the other end of that not yet, <laughs> right. but have you been on the other end of that where, uh, Oh
1: yeah. Oh yeah. There were the other one. Yeah. And it's the same thing. It's there, you know, uh, it has nothing to do with the attraction. It has nothing to, it could be just thoughts in their head. It could be, you know, uh, I, you know, maybe, a, a, a huge plethora of like reasons. Said, maybe I shouldn't have gone bills, home you with you. Maybe pay. I shouldn't have, you know, had that last drink or, or maybe, you know, it's just whiskey D I
2: C K. You
3: and, can say whiskey dick. Like okay. okay. And, and it's interesting <laughs> because
2: you, I think Joel, you made a, a great point about, Feeling wanted by the other person, um, which I think is a huge part of it And I think we were also talking before we came on the show before the show started a little bit about How do you spend the night with someone without? Yeah, I really sex. want to talk
3: about this because that came up from the conversation with Joel too that he hadn't slept with this woman on the first The first time I was like, how do you do that? Well, how do you the sleep first in a, three times first three times Well, I would like,
2: argue that like I think there's something to be said about To avoid situations like you were saying you had with the filmmaker about developing a trust and developing certainty that the other person is into you before engaging in sex will decrease the chances that an incident like that will happen. Sure, and even beyond the actual incident itself, like, uh, you
4: know... I'm in my, what would you say? My mid thirties. You're,
3: you. you're young. You're, uh-huh. you're older, mid thirties.
4: My older, mid thirties. Like I've had plenty of sex and I'm probably going to have, thank you. And I'm probably <laughs> going to have plenty of more uh, plenty more. So I, I don't really care about that at this juncture. Even if it's, if it's something that, you know, look, we all know a one-off is a one-off. Let's say like you meet someone at a bar, you lock eyes, you know, it's on you. you even at this age, we, you talk about it and don't leave things unsaid and you're good. That's different. If I meet someone in this situation that we were talking about, I was generally going, is this a, a connection that I have with this person? Is this for real? And I wasn't... Uh, so what? Well, get, it, get it wet just for the night? I didn't well, my care question,
3: about that. My question is far There were two separate questions because the whole mm. like getting it up or not is one thing. The idea... And this is where I'm bashfully saying that I don't know how... I, like, I've like i never done this. I've never like been like, let's go spend a night together and then not have sex. <laughs> like It's just sort of to me. So like... And and there have been times, honestly, I'm going to admit this, honestly, like I've had sex because like, again, I'm an adult. It's not like I'm not being dangerous. It's not like I'm worried about notches on my belt or something. That sex is sex. And sometimes it's just physical. And sometimes if you're with somebody, it's sort of it's almost like Absolutely. why not have sex? Sure. So I'm curious, though. As to if you're spending a night with someone where you want to foster intimacy how you can like not have sex because to me I don't know. Maybe I just I don't know. I don't know. Like I've just never I've never done that So how do you do that?
2: I think you do it by not having sex. Yeah, Um, and I I I think intimacy can be greater (laughs) can be fostered more greatly sometimes by waiting and by making like by ensuring that when the sex does occur That it's a more meaningful moment and a more intimate moment as opposed to just like a like you said a one-off or something that becomes like Oh, that's what this relationship is as opposed to like developing a relationship first That's based on other things and then having sex And
1: I think that's the mistake that everybody makes in their 20s is that you you have sex first and you know Then then you expect a relationship or you don't expect a relationship to come from that I think the lessons that we've learned in our 30s is that we obviously want something more we don't want a one-off and you know you kind of take the time to develop that before you jump
3: I also and, and wonder... you,
1: you
4: asked about about how like what broadens or deepens intimacy, intimacy. Yeah. and in the answer I think is is connectedness beyond conversations about shared values and about you know which is really essential in terms of developing a partnership but like if you're more connected to a person and that could even you know, be on a friend level. And then you go to an intimate place, it's going to be better.
3: I you know, I wonder, I hadn't thought about this before bringing up this conversation, but A, I was with one person until I was 28 years old, and so I sort of missed those 20-something years where you're sleeping with people. But also, I also, I don't know this since there's another woman in the room, but I feel like maybe... I was accidentally ingrained in me as a woman that like to establish intimacy with a man because a guy is always going to want sex. It's That stereotype that the guy always wants to have sex. I don't. I honestly don't know. I'm going to have to think about. So this. when you
1: take a guy home, you feel obligated.
3: Yeah, yeah. If I invite you, you a guy over feel like, for you dinner, you don't feel
1: like it's okay just to. Uh,
3: Whether it's okay. Some well, other part of it and, is that, that I am I a woman together. who likes having sex, and so that's part of it. But there, but there's definitely been guys that I've had sex with that I've been like, man, I didn't really want to have sex with him, but I invited him over and we ate, and again, like it's sort of I like. I, w- I wonder. I'm going to have to think about this let's, honestly well, you now. You're not
1: obligated. No, you're I'm going to put that out right oh, now. Oh, I know. And, I'm not,
3: and that's not something as a woman I'd be like, oh, I'm going to have sex only yeah. because I asked this guy over and I'm obligated. Like I said, there's a part of me who's just like, I'm a woman who likes to have sex. But I'm honestly going to have to ponder whether this is something I've ac- I've not realized has been ingrained in me as a woman to serve, you know, if that makes sense. I
2: mean, let's also clarify that we are three artistic... Sensitive. S- sensitive right. men in this self, room yeah. who are, you know perhaps in some ways a little more in tune, in tune with yeah. f- like finding what we want and connecting with someone on a personal, more emotional yeah. level of communicating yep. in a different way than some other people might. Well Agreed. said, Benny. Yeah. Plus, I mean, on, on another physical level, like ha- have you not ever been with
4: someone and before the actual moment of the building toward is almost more titillating. Of course,
3: which is yeah. great.
4: So that you could apply that, to your other question and just build it out. Of course. If you wait a couple of days, that. you know, yeah. it could be even that much more grand when it, the event happens.
3: Well, I'm leaving this conversation with something to ponder about myself. Um, but thank you guys so much <laughs> for coming in. We're out of time. So before we wrap up, um, listeners, I've asked the guys to, you know, Ben and I start the show saying that our age and we're single and, and we have talked at periods about what we are looking for. But since we are four single 30-somethings in here, uh, if you guys are comfortable, why don't you share, you know, again, just say my name is... I'm this age. I'm straight or gay. This is what I'm looking for. Maybe was like three types of ways to go about that. Anybody want to start? <laughs> there, everybody's looking shy. Benny, Benny. Uh, why I, you, am I a part of this? Oh, you're doing Yeah, we're, gonna do, we're yeah, doing it too. Oh,
2: great. Well, I'm 33. I'm straight and single. Um, for me, passionate curiosity is a very important quality. Um, Did he steal your answer? He totally <laughs> just
1: stole
3: my answer. I feel like he might have stolen mine, too, That what I said. He um, stole mine,
2: too. That's, Wait, huge. Let so that's too. what.
3: No, I put passionately creative. And, and he stole um, my wallet, for so,
2: the record. <laughs> there was nothing in it.
3: Um, <laughs> he's he's a fucking actor. artist.
2: So, too, is deep self-awareness and a um, striving to grow one's own self-awareness and an interest and a fascination in um, what it means to be you. Uh, And so those are qualities I really look for and uh, qualities that I feel like I connect with in another human being that could potentially form something meaningful for me. Joel, you want to thanks be Ben. Thanks, that was a that was a great serve. Uh, I want I want to really date deep. you now. <laughs>
3: um,
4: and and has got really really great hair. And oh, I, he does. Uh, well, he uh, does. Uh, yeah, it's I Jew don't, hair. I I well, I'm also a Jew, and I also don't oh, no, I don't I've have got your three hair hands anymore. This is single lacte Jews. Yeah, this is the Jew panel. The Jew to How did that? I win
3: at life today?
4: Um, uh, okay, so what what do I need to say? He's Joel Ruben Gans. Joel Ruben Gans. I'm 39, so mid mid 30s is generous. It's a Late 30s. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, curiosity for me is, is, is absolutely essential. And that can be applied in all kinds of ways. If someone's not curious about the world or, or themselves or life or any of the above or below stated things, I'm, I'm not interested. Um, uh, looking for someone that I shared, shared values, uh, someone who likes to explore, um, in all kinds of ways both ex, you know the external world and the in, internal world and of connection and the
3: physical world
4: yeah exactly um, yeah. i just i'm just i i know that i need i need to be attracted to a person uh, on a, on a, on an outer on a physical level but uh, i do find sometimes that the, the way you can connect to someone what they believe in are, are excited about can be almost more exciting than just exterior trapping so
3: lovely ladies jonathan
1: I'm just looking for somebody with good credit (laughs) and maybe a
2: call. there's not a single person in this room who's got it so I have really Um, good credit actually oh do you
3: me too I I do have
2: I have good credit oh Oh, what
1: the fuck Um, Ben's one flaw please continue (laughs) Um, Jonathan Wiener uh, gay um, How
3: old are you, baby? Oh, You're gonna make me do that. Oh, we're the same age. Come on, uh, thirty-five. And we're almost. No, I'm younger. <laughs> oh, bitch. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> so, but
1: just recently, thirty-five. So it's like, you're basically yeah, thirty-four. Basically. Um, I I am looking for honesty. I'm looking for somebody that um, ha- appreciates what somebody else brings to the table. Not everybody brings, you know, a six-figure income to the table. Um, None of us, anyway. <laughs> some people bring warmth and compassion and love and you know that's something to be said Uh, somebody that respects what we do what i do what we all do um you know we're not unfortunately you know we're not curing cancer we're not curing you know the world's problems but we do bring um art to the world we bring smiles we bring you know tears we bring whatever um but it's some it's a it's a contribution and um i'm looking for somebody that respects that, and oh, um, I love that yeah oh, uh, I love
3: that oh, I love you guys so much okay and i 'm jacqueline i 'm thirty four i 'm um, looking I just wrote this down so i 'm thirty four straight and looking for a dude who 's passionately creative, deeply soulful. And who's got a great grasp of the big picture perspective? For me, that's a big deal.
1: Emphasis on big. Yeah. <laughs> is this
3: also where
4: I say that I'm a massage therapist as well?
3: He Ooh. is. He's got magic hands. Oh, nice. Magic right. hands. Nice. All right. That is our show for today. So speaking of <laughs> speaking of uh, actors acting, Benny is leaving me for two weeks. He's going to Paris.
1: Congrats, Benny. To
3: be in the Paris Beckett Theater Festival. Um, so I'm going to be heartbroken this time next Monday. Benny, break a leg. Uh, he's doing Waiting for Godot in Yiddish. In Paris, blindfolded on one leg.
1: <laughs> yeah, so he's he's super
3: badass, ladies. He's super badass. So um, next week. We're gonna shake it up again. I'm gonna have Daniel Holtzman, the chef owner of the Meatball Shops, as my co-host for the day, and we are going to welcome the ladies of This Is Why You're Single. Have, Why are
2: the single ladies gonna be here? They're the actually one not single. Actually, oh. neither of them is single. Okay, they just have
3: a book. Well, they have a book, and a podcast, and a sketch comedy show about being single. So the ladies of This Is Why You're Single are gonna be here next week with Daniel Holtzman. I believe he's single. I thought he was dating, but I believe he's single. He's a chum. He's a charm. He's wonderful. I can't wait to have him here. Even though, Betty, I'm gonna be missing you.
2: I'll miss you. Um,
3: So he'll be filling in as we chat about that. So come back next week. Until then, thank you, Joel and John, for being here. Thank you to our engineer, David. He's awesome. Our theme song is You Better You Bet, covered by Robbie Gill, and we are Jacqueline Raposo and Ben Rosenblatt. I will be back here at the same time next week here at Heritage Radio Network.org.
2: See you in a few weeks.